It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Works. It's Carcone Carney. Welcome to Friday night. Eureka! Carcone Carney, sponsored by our friends at Siren Records McHenry. Here's the thing this is no idle sponsor. This isn't something I just toss out there just because they're a sponsor. I'm a fan of this place. In fact, tomorrow, one of the few things I have planned all weekend is going to Siren Records McHenry. Why, you ask? Uh, it's awesome. They've got tons of new stuff. Tons of old stuff, too. If you're a jazz fan, their jazz section is ridiculous. Uh, I bought a bunch of audio components from them because they sell awesome audio components as well. And their punk rock section is fantastic. Uh, they've got a lot of cool cassettes there, too. I love going there. It's, it's like it's like going to the library for me, except I can walk out with stuff and have it forever. Theron uh, Records McHenry, they are at 3902 Main in McHenry. And if you go tomorrow, I, I'm telling you, you'll probably see me there. My guest today, he is a returning favorite on Carcon Carne. He is the Partnerships Director for Hope for the Day. He is Joel Frieders, uh, who is kind enough to spend his Friday night with us here. Uh, Joel, we've had you on, I say we, like the show is bigger than it is. I've had you on uh, throughout the pandemic because Hope for the Day uh, it really has helped to normalize the discussion of mental health and suicide. And I, I really think, especially over these past 12 months, mental health is such an important thing for all of us to be aware of and talking about and, and, and sharing uh, opinions, emotions, feelings about. I have you on tonight because you've taken, you were at peak Joel Frieders, basically. You, <laughs> you found a way. You found a way to marry your uh. two passions. The passion you have with hope for the day yeah and your passion for craft brewing like you, you found a way to put these two together <laughs> and, and do something uh turn into a force for good uh explain what things we don't say is all right first off let me just say peak joel frieders is um i don't think i've ever heard that and i'm also kind of terrified uh <laughs> either is this the ceiling or wait is this the floor so um yeah all right so <clears throat> Things We Don't Say, Craft Beer for Mental Health is a project that was born out of a conversation that I had with my friend, Nicole. Uh, she works in another part of the craft beer industry uh, for a company called Malt Europe. So they're like the active ingredient in beer. Like I'm a, I run a compounding pharmacy in Aurora, Illinois called The Compounder. And she essentially is a supplier for the active ingredient in the beers that I tend to enjoy. One second. There it is. And, um, I was speaking at something called IBEST, which is the Iowa Craft Beer, uh, Craft Brewers Guild. Uh, of course, this year was a, a virtual session. And um, almost immediately before I was about to sign off, I was getting like these dings on the side of the uh, the platform. I don't know if it was Zoom or it was not as cool as this, though. This is, wait, wait, out, hang on. This wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, see, I'm so pumped for you, man. There's so many cool things. There's I, so I really much wanted, for activities. Like, look at this place. I really wanted to figure this out right as everyone's getting vaccinated and we're <laughs> seeing the finish line for virtual <laughs> presentations. Yeah. It's it's good to throw curveballs once in a while. Uh, Keeps this on our game, Mr. Van Osdell. Finally figured this live stream thing out. Let's go back. I'm, and so, pumped. I'm so pumped for you. Um, yeah, so uh, this woman, Nicole, hits me up and says, hey, I want to do something, but I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. 
All right. So we hopped on a call and it was like 15, 20 minutes later, we kind of felt each other out over Zoom, of course, socially distanced. Um, and she was like, I want to do something, but I know that, you know, with the one-off beer collaborations that you're doing and that like, that's something that I have the, the privilege of doing with Hope for the Day is that I get to communicate directly with the breweries that I'm already like a fanboy of and say, hey, can I bring the Hope for the Day education curriculum into your brewery? And then once you listen to it, can you consider instead of paying me for the education, can you consider like a beer collaboration where you can take the words that I'm saying with the curriculum and kind of regurgitate it in your own platform and just kind of see what happens. And we've done this like a number of times. And not only do I get to like meet people that I'm already a fan of or meet people in an industry that I'm just in general a fan of, you're seeing like a, an incredibly creative application of how do you encourage people to talk about things or talk about random things or talk about the big shit without saying you should go talk to your therapist. And it's like, this is essentially exactly what hope for the hope for the day is trying to do is we're meeting people where they're at. And I know where the people that I want to hang out with where they are, they're either in the bar drinking craft beer, uh, like a, like a, a bottle shop, or they're at home documenting the beers that they're drinking and talking about the beers. And it's, it's, it's almost like, Craft beer has become the community that I wanted to be a part of because I think 99% of the people that I interact with are pretty freaking cool. But when you think about the actual industry itself, if any brewery has a problem, like this broke, this weld popped, I ran out of malt, or hey, I need 80 pounds of a Zaka, like the first person that you call is one of your competitors. So it's like it's inherently. So it's so funny you should say that. I, I did a bunch of interviews over the past 12 months with craft brewery owners, and they said the exact same thing. Yeah. It's, it's like that, that level of community and support. It's baked I, in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I'm like, like that's the people that I want to be around. But then on the other end, knowing that over the last like two or three years that have been so many suicides in the craft beer industry that like, I'm almost pissed off that like not everybody is hearing what it is that we're talking about. And it isn't like I have an answer for every single person situation, but it's like knowing that, you know, like the state of Florida, you know, pre pandemic had, I think it was four, like before the pandemic, they had four in 2020. And then like Colorado just had a couple like really, really important people. Like, and when I say important people, I'm not saying that other people aren't important. I'm just saying that like the reason why I use the word important before the, the word people is that there are people that I care about that were like punched in the throat over this. And I know what it felt like when I lost my friend, Mike in 2017, uh, his name is Mike Malinowski from Chicago. His uh, rap name was Mike One, or as me and my wife called him, the littlest rapper, like just like an awesome freaking person. And knowing that there are people that are missing their friends, because just like with me, with this dude, Mike, that passed away, like he was important to me. He wasn't my best friend. He wasn't my cousin, but he was important to me. So when you see that people in the community that you want to be a part of and that you're kind of a part of hurting because somebody left too soon, what do you do about it? Because right now in craft beer, like there's a big... I know I, sh I, I can say uh, fuck on this show, but I don't I don't feel like I should. But knowing that when people hit like a certain threshold in any other aspect of life, that they know that they need to reach out for help. But in craft beer, they might be hitting that same threshold, but they're limited by who they can kind of talk to because they sell alcohol and your only goal is to sell more alcohol. And all of a sudden there's this freaking like wall that comes down saying that if you are in the alcohol industry, whether you sell it or you make it to be sold or you work in a room where you're filling freaking glasses and passing it to somebody or even a freaking restaurant putting a drink in front of somebody 
that automatically you are cut out of the fucking conversation. It pisses me off. So knowing that we're already apprehensive about broaching that conversation when it comes to being a conversation with a beer in your hand. I'm not drinking this beer and then nine others. Like this is one of the things that I look forward to all week. Like I didn't drink Monday through freaking today's Friday, Monday through Friday until right the fuck now. And this is a don't be a dick by liquid love in Buffalo Grove, Illinois. But understanding that I look forward to that shit. But then all week I think about what am I drinking? What am I buying? Who do I get to support? I don't know of any other industry besides live music where I can go, I'm going to put money in that person's pocket. But then knowing the stories behind all the beers is like just as equally inspiring. So like all of these things compound. I'm sorry to take a while to get to the actual point, but all of these things compound. And based on that conversation that I had with my friend, Nicole, we kind of realized that there have already been a bunch of really cool, like global beer initiatives, like just in the last couple of years, like the last two that we can talk about are all together. And then black is beautiful. Like the only reason why black is beautiful was difficult for me is that I tend to save stouts for like special occasions or, you know, Saturday. Um, but they were all stouts. So, and they were all so powerful that I couldn't necessarily have like three or four of them. Um, so there was like, there was that limitation for me, excuse me. But then also knowing that like with the all together project, I didn't know about the project until it was essentially over. So like I got into that game late. So it's knowing that we only have so much of an attention span, but knowing that if we actually direct our conversation to the craft beer industry on the whole, the breweries are going to hear what we're saying and they might talk about it. And originally, Nicole and I, our goal with any type of project was let's just get a dozen breweries with one flagship that all give a shit. And then we'll just kind of see what happens. Because when you talk to uh, somebody who owns a brewery about mental health, normally what they do if they have bangs is they go, <sighs> because bro, owning a brewery is some stressful shit. Like my friend Garrett uh, from Pipeworks, at any given time, that dude could be on the roof at two in the morning with a freaking flamethrower and a flashlight in his mouth because he's not only a plumber and uh, an accountant and a chemist, he's also the dude who has to hold the flashlight in his mouth while he's blowtorching a freaking glycol line. Yeah, you have, you have to know how to do everything. Everything. And at a moment's notice. Yeah. It's funny, you mentioned, I, I find this to be so true, you mentioned how craft breweries are, are similar to musicians in terms of who you want to give your money to and the, the beers they put out. I, I have thought that throughout. I mean, the, I think the reason why I'm so enamored by these craft breweries is they do. They, they have that kind of indie rock. Dude, dude, like think about like dropping a new single every week. But then think about dropping a new single and pairing it with the other fucking singles that are already for fucking yes. like you are curating my experience, whether or not I'm sitting in your brewery, able to like flight through them or I'm at home. Like, like, uh, have you ever heard of foreign exchange brewing? I've, no. All right. So foreign that. exchange will be in Aurora, but right now they're contract brewing out of church street. I think that's Itasca. It so there's these guys called foreign exchange. And the first couple beers were like, super sleeper stops like nobody really had any idea who these guys were but like i have actually kept all of the bottles that i had from them because now they're in cans but all of their beers if you like buy one of them a week and then wait a week to drink them so that you can like actually have one or two a weekend they're legitimately doing you a freaking favor of fucking culinary perfection of all right we're going to start super deep and like robust then we're going to get lighter then we're going to twinge it a little bit and get sour. But then you're distracted by like, why does this name have like 80 freaking words on it? Like, 
you're like distracted by shit. And then you realize that you've literally run the gamut of all of the styles that are not only popular, but like there's thought behind every freaking recipe. So like breweries like foreign exchange that that's just dudes that want to fucking brew that learn from people that brew that are contract brewing until the brewing that they're brewing makes enough money to build their own brewery. Like, dude, what other industry can you do that? They're like freaking sitting in with big ass bands until they can start their own freaking band. Like that's, that's cool exactly shit. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. So I, I don't know that you answered this. What, I don't is think things, I what, what is things we don't say IPA? Okay, so Nicole and I said, all right, we have to do something that is potentially big, but kind of be, you know, okay with the fact that this might not hit very quickly. Um, so we, she reached out to Eagle Park uh, in Milwaukee, Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling. If you have not Googled these people, their can art is stupid. Um, three people that I trust, like almost explicitly, my friend Josh, my friend Joe, and my friend Charlotte went up there a few weeks ago, unbeknownst that this pro this project was actually happening. And every freaking beer on tap was like five stars and every freaking plate that was put in front of them was absolutely delicious. And they started distilling. So like all these cool things are happening with this particular brewery, but Nicole hit them up and they're like, yeah, we give a shit. Let's do this. So they were our flagship. They wrote a recipe called things we don't say, uh, craft beer for mental health. And the recipe is based on a 6% IPA, uh, 6% meaning that it's lower on the scale because if you go to the, record store for beer, which is a bottle shop, you'll see that some of these IPAs are like starting at seven and a half. Mm -hmm. And as the token old man and hope for the day, um, I fall asleep after like two. And sure. my goal is to try every beer twice. And how can I do that logistically if I fall asleep after having one? So the beer is intentionally low, a low ABV so we can have a conversation over a couple. Um, and it's meant to be something that's accessible, meaning that it's not overly hopped where you're going to be like, oh, my mouth is broken and it's not going to be so sweet where you're like, ah, my teeth hurt, but it's meant to be an approachable style. And it is. So they dropped a recipe similar to like Black is Beautiful. We got a recipe, we got a label design from Ego Proof, uh, and we've got discounts from Malt Europe, the malt company, and then Hollingberry and Son Hop Company. So what we're trying to do is to unify around a topic, which is craft beer for mental health, but then also have a flagship brewery, which is leading their own charge, which is Eagle Park of Milwaukee. And then have the option for any brewery out there, no matter if you're just doing like to-go sales or you're just doing taproom only drafts or you're doing fucking full distro, it doesn't matter. Whatever you can actually do to be a part of the conversation, take advantage of the discounts so that you can brew a beer, make a freaking profit, and then, you know, throw some money back at hope for the day if you're cool with it. But either way, we want to get you in front of our education because our goal this year is 20 or 50,000 educated in 2021. And I know that like after this week that I've had, I know we just crested 3,000 because uh, we were just at like 2,700. But knowing that I got to get my words from hope for the day in front of 47,000 more people in the next nine months, it's pretty intimidating. So yes, I want to get this beer into people's hands so that they can see the fact that there are nationally vetted resources available. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and they will be on a can. And that there's a conversation to be had that just because there's alcohol involved doesn't mean you can't talk about how you feel thoughts, feelings, and emotions are very difficult for everybody. But in the craft beer industry, especially being dominated by white bearded tattooed men who doesn't talk about their shit. Well, see, and you just led me to where I was going to go. Was there ever a thought about the optics of using alcohol to talk about a mental health? Absolutely. 
it, it's the first question that we get. Like, why are you doing that? Isn't that irresponsible? I'm like, irresponsible with me taking that Malort bottle, which is kind of a joke behind me, and chugging it saying, I'm drinking Malort for mental health. No, we're not drinking for mental health. We're bringing the topic of mental health into that industry. So it's not just the brewers that are seeing it. It's not just the customers that are seeing it. It's everybody combined so that when somebody hands you a beer, you go to buy something, you know that a person with some shit going on brewed it. A person with some shit going on designed it. A person with some shit going on delivered it. And then a person with some shit going on sold it to you. And you can celebrate the fact that we're all going through some shit. And that not only that, but because everybody's kind of going through some stuff, you know that when your dude is or your your friend or your family member is going through the stuff, you don't pile on. So like we've got options here when it comes to interacting with the people around us. Like, and I know that they're the keyboard warriors who are going to give me a freaking you know firm talking to once they see that we're talking about mental health in craft beer. But the fact that my friends in this industry rely on each other for things related to business and making money and winning you know, awards for their beer and all these other things that don't fucking matter if you're not here, but they won't reach out when they're at their wits end with like, why can't I make my accounting work? Or why can't I just get over this heap of freaking debt? It's not that every problem is gonna be solved with a freaking you know, GoFundMe. The idea is to actually encourage people to talk about the things that they're experiencing. So this recipe, this is something that any brewery can yep. take and yes, and pack make it, it your own. Make it and your own. I, I've never heard of anything like this. I'm sure something like this must have existed at some point, but uh, I, I thought this was kind of a revolutionary idea. Well, uh, there's been a couple, and I mentioned them. There's been a couple like the, I think the first one that I can remember was called Resilience from Sierra Nevada, which is like one of the first breweries to get me into craft beer. But Sierra Nevada saw the need with all of the, the fires up in California and the Pacific Northwest. And they said, all right, we're going to put out a recipe. And when Sierra Nevada says, hey, take that recipe, you're going to freaking run with it. So Sierra Nevada put out a freaking recipe and said, hey, brew this beer, excuse me, and give the um, proceeds to the victims of these fires. And it was called resilience. And it was like, oh, hell yeah. Well, beautiful idea. And it kind of worked. But what ended up happening was that they kind of got tripped up by the fact that some people just don't do what they say they're going to do. And they didn't have like a contract contractual agreement in place with all these breweries. Um, at least they didn't do a good enough a job where it didn't become like a distracting thing after the uh, initiative was over and people were supposed to start paying for their funds. So like the last two years or the last year, there were two. One was called Altogether which is a beer that was intended to be, you know, a collective recipe. Everybody gives it a shot and they release it. And it's got this label design with all together, kind of like, you know, written in a circle. And then all of the proceeds were supposed to go back to the uh, food service workers and the basically all of the people that would otherwise have a job if there wouldn't have been a freaking pandemic and restaurants, breweries, wineries, and distilleries. So that went good. But like I said, I found out about it like when it was already on the way out. So I only got a chance to have like six of them. But then after George Floyd was murdered on fucking live television, it felt like um, Marcus Baskerville down in San Antonio, Weathered Souls is the name of the brewery. Uh, he started the Black is Beautiful initiative. And if you haven't checked it out, it's blackisbeautiful.beer. Um, they, he put out a, res a recipe and it was for a stout and he had a label template that you know you could adjust a little bit, but he provided everything and said 100% of these proceeds should go to an organization in your community that is benefiting an organization that works in the uh, BIPOC or the people of color community, no matter what. 
So like a lot of, it was really cool to see the optics of this because you had people who obviously looked like they were, you know, straight off the tractor, you know, not really in tune with any people of any other type of culture. And they're handing over checks to, you know, young urban youth, however you want to put it. But it was cool to see people that had never even thought about that, about how important it, it looks. And they were doing it and it was really freaking inspiring. So if you haven't looked up Black is Beautiful, it's a beautiful initiative. Um, and it doesn't just celebrate the fact that, yeah, black is beautiful, but holy bulls, there are some delicious beers that came out of this. I have seven uh, right now in my little beer fridge right outside of this room um, that I'm going to kind of keep because I'm like looking forward to their thickens, bro. They are thick and thick thickens. Like, I don't know if you can see down there. I got about 80 beers that I kind of collect. Did you just look down? Yeah. Um, like I have a bunch of beers that I, 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 you know, it's not that I'm selling them because I know what the hell I'm doing. I just know that they're going to be important to me when I crack them. Well, the black is beautiful beers. I, I probably took down a good two dozen and that's where I gained this winter weight. <laughs> but like it's already been done, but this is something where we wanted to kind of approach this from, all right, let's instantly right out the gate, offer a discount on the active ingredients so that if anybody wants to get involved and knows that we're trying to kind of raise money so we can stay open since we don't have any events since, you know, COVID. Um, so that if people wanted to make a donation, there was a mechanism there that was already baked in and malt Europe is already like, no, we're going to put 30% discount on every brewery that orders, you know, product for this beer. Like that's baked in. And then Hollingberry and son is doing a $9 a pound hop for three of the different hops, maybe even more. I'm not totally sure since I'm not a brewer cause I suck at home brewing. Um, but knowing that there's that in there, there's the possibility of being able to actually turn a profit or more than you normally would have make and potentially give a discount. And then everything that you donate to Hope for the Day gets a freaking tax letter from our, our amazing finance director, Matt. And it's hand signed and he's got beautiful penmanship. So I, <laughs> that's important. You know, anything that you can throw our way is awesome. But we also know that it's like, it's we think of it as a, as a trade. Like you're gonna talk about what we wanna talk about, but we wanna bring our curriculum into your brewery. So over the course of April, May, and June, we're setting up specific education dates that are just to hit these breweries, their employees and their communities, because how else are we going to hit 50,000 educated? Like we don't make money on education. We make money on the people who hear the education and then remember they give a shit. Right. Uh, and you mentioned home brewing. If I wanted to, I, I could use this recipe and make, make it at home. Actually, we have the homebrew recipe already on the website because Nosy Neighbor Brewing in Wisconsin's like, yo, can I do this? I was like, yeah, you should. So then he took it and like did the math because, you know, the other one's based on percentages because some people are brewing a one barrel. Some people are brewing a five. Some people are brewing a hundred, like 120, whatever. So he did the math and brought it down to like a five gallon uh, batch. And I think I'm almost not, I'm not going to say more fired up, but I think I'm like pretty pumped to like, because my friend Mark is actually brewing a batch this weekend for his things we don't say version and it's like how do you start a conversation amongst the entire community if you leave out the home brewers but then also how do you start a conversation amongst the whole craft beverage community if you don't invite ciderers and the meterers and the ginerers and the non-alcoholicers mm -hmm. so the our first partner outside of um eagle park in milwaukee is well-being brewing which is a non-alcoholic beverage company I, I, and, think I've, I think I've been served their Facebook ads a lot. Uh, I will tell you that this was the first non-alcoholic beer that I didn't know it was non-alcoholic until I said, this is incredibly light, but I can still get that tang on the back. My friend Brian Kirby from Heartland Beverage in Plainfield, Illinois, they are a distributor out here, 
He goes, that's uh, Wellbeing's IPA. And I was like, you're not lying. So I have purchased their Amber, their IPA, their, their I think it was a coffee stout. And then I just got one of their collaborations. And then they came out with a, a, a brand of CBD waters. So it's like, I don't drink during the week because, you know, I have this like beautiful feminine figure that I need to maintain. Oh, yeah. But like knowing that, like, I don't want to drink all week because I know what it does to me the day after. So I can get like two hours more sleep on Saturdays. So that's why I enjoy Fridays. But we, we've there talked, should be options. We, we've talked an unusual amount about your body tonight. <laughs> it's not true. I have the text messages to prove it. <laughs> no, all right. So I, I have it scrolling on the screen, which, by the way, how badass is this? Like I said, I'm glad I figured this out just as we're about to this is so leave, cool, leave the world of streaming. Um, whoa. Uh, but I have the information at the bottom of the screen scrolling. If people want to learn more about things we don't say IPA, if they want to homebrew, yeah. if yeah. they want to make make five gallons at home, things we don't say dot beer. Yes. All right. So bef before I let you go, going back to one of the things I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, I've had you on, I've had our mutual friend, Mike Vinopal on mm -hmm. uh, talking about mental health and suicide throughout the pandemic. I we're here. We are. It's one year into staying at home. It's yeah. the anniversary I have felt. And I don't know if you felt this too. I felt like people have lost their minds over the past week. I think people, yeah. whether they're aware of it or not, people have just been losing their shit. And I think it's just the, the crushing reality that this is what we've been doing for the past year. Like and we just, just hit, yeah, we just hit the bookmark, man. Like I had a, I had a bit of a moment on Tuesday and I was almost like push stop because it can't be a year of this shit. Like I was, I was to the point where I'm like, I almost uninstalled the time hop, time hop app on my phone. Cause I'm like, I don't want to see it because I remember the things that I was like fixated on for like a good week. And what's funny about today, so today's March 12th. Today is the day that I consider the kickoff to the end of the world because I drove five hours in a torrential fucking downpour to second shift brewing in St. Louis on March 12th, 2020. And I went down there to speak on behalf of Hope for the Day uh, in front of the you know food and beverage people down in St. Louis. And we started the day with a lot of people coming and we ended with about 11. Yeah. But I remember walking into the brewery and it was silent because, you know, it was like two in the afternoon. But I walked in and the owner, Libby, looks over at me and then runs. And I like I the whole way down, I was white knuckle like this listening to fucking NPR. It was a terrifying five hours. I bet it was. So like to fall into somebody again, somebody in the craft beer industry supporting someone else. But I remember falling into her and just like, what's going to what's going to happen? Like just completely like, holy shit. And hey, by the way, if you're listening to NPR for five hours straight, they should give you a tote back. What's funny is that nothing repeated that day. I didn't hear. You know how like, you, you can normally tell when the shit starts over? Everything was news, man. Like yeah. everything was news because like they hit on every industry. Like I remember hearing, how is the farming industry going to bounce back? Like how, how is the farming industry going to be impacted? And not that they weren't, but I was like, at this time, these are all new concepts. Right. Like I didn't even have a mask in my car. I didn't have sanitizer in my car. I'm five hours from home with no sanitizer or mask. Like, bro, I've been home for not too long. I have a mask in my pocket. Okay. I have one of those fucking plastic frames that you put in front of your face when the mask is too tight in a basement office. How much has freaking COVID pervaded my fucking household, man? Like, 
I, I think I would, seeing the date on the calendar was like, like, like holy shit, we're hitting I, it. I think it was a triggering moment. I think whether yeah. people are aware of how they're responding or not, I think a lot of people just fell apart this week. This has been especially yeah. hard. And yeah. this, I mean, the timing, I mean, you reached out about the things we don't say IPA. I'm like, oh, well, we should talk about that. But then I looked at the calendar. I'm like, this is a perfect time to talk to anyone from Hope for the Day because mental health is, I mean, it never left the conversation. But no. this week especially feels like an important thing to bubble up to the top. Yeah. And you know, like, uh, one of my friends said something that I was like, take that back. Like, I want him to shove the words back in his mouth backwards, swallow them, bow and apologize and never say it again. And he said something that I'm, I don't say this to be flippant or crass or to be an asshole. But he said, yep, end of the first year. And I was like, no. you're acknowledging the fact that there could be a second. He's like, no, I'm not acknowledging the fact. I am recognizing the fact that we are entering the second year of this. And I like, he was pissed and I, I am just as pissed. It's yeah. this sucks. It does. I mean, one year ago on this date, I was planning to go to a concert and then I, I reached out to the band. I'm like, Hey, I'll see you tonight. It'll be great. And then as the day went on, I mean, it, it was like out of a movie, like every minute something was happening. By the time I hit five o'clock, I'm like, I'm just going to go home. I'm yeah, just I'm going to pull the keyhole in behind me. I think good night nurse. And then of course, what was your, um, what was your last show before the pandemic? I think it was, uh, the Robinsons from the black crows at Lincoln hall. Oh, it's such a great place to see it. Dude. They've got great bathrooms. They got a great, great beer list, but dude, they got fucking tater tots on the menu. What independent music venue has tater tots? And they're readily available throughout the entire evening. That's like music and tater tots. That place was so crowded that night. I couldn't even think about food. <sighs> like I, I, my personal space was so violated. Yeah. Three hours straight. The idea of a tater tot just sounded yeah. horrific. And now, of yeah. course, in hindsight, the idea of being in that room is pretty gross. Right. Dude. Like, so my last show was at sub T. It was a band called palace. I befriended this guy named Leo Wyndham on the internet back in like 2010. And he had sent me like just songs of him playing his electric guitar in a fucking room. Cause I used to, I have a online music magazine called shut your fucking face and listen.com or syphil.com. And he had sent me his music and it was just him and electric guitar and a shitload of reverb. And I was like, wow. So I listened to it for like the last decade. I got to see it live and then meet him in person for the first time. He's from the fucking UK. So him and his band come over and I'm listening to like teenage girls sing every word of songs that I've heard with, just him and a fucking guitar in a room like full on like <gasps> so when that date hit in february i was like i'm not gonna write about it because it's super emotional like i miss being deaf for a day oh yeah i miss that taste like i know i don't smoke cigarettes anymore but when you're up late enough at night that you just taste like chicago fucking air like like you screamed all night i lost my voice and i can't hear shit mm-hmm that sounds like the best day after ever. Like you're almost exhausted and that's your fucking prize that you get to take home. And then you have an excellent sleep the night after. Like, God, I miss shows. Very well said. All right. So ah! All right, moving, moving forward, Joel Frieders from Hope for the Day, strate strategic partnerships director. Uh, also visit things we don't say dot beer. When things are, I hate this expression, but here we are. When things are back to normal ish, when we're at this vaccination point, when the world feels a lot more normal 
-hmm. What do we need to do? To, it, it was very natural to have this conversation, to talk about suicide, to talk about mental health when everyone's stuck at home, when everyone's yeah. feeling isolated, feeling detached. How do we keep the conversation going when people are in a more celebratory, maybe not wanting to talk about such things? Move. I, I think it's the time that we respect people's space. And that's something that like, you know, in our education, like we had this one slide, you know, throughout the entire workshop where it just says, you got to respect the dignity of the individual. And there are going to be some people that are going to run full force into those fucking full hugs without a mask on. I am going to be a hugger, but I'm going to ask first and I'm going to wear one of these mouth tampons because I give a shit how you feel about personal touch now, like personal space. Like I know that I'm worried. Like, I'm fucking worried. Like, when do we put our guard down enough where I can like walk out to the, like, how do I walk out and get the newspaper in my underwear again? <laughs> you know, it's, it sounds I, stupid, but in the pandemic times, how do you like let your guard down that much? I don't know. I would say you probably never needed to stop doing that. <laughs> but like, th like that feeling of that you are impenetrable, that nothing can kind of stand in between you and simply just doing what you were going to do anyway. Like, you know how like before March 12th, 2020, you'd slap your butt and your thighs three times, wallet, keys, cell phone. God, that's the truth. Like now you are wallet, keys, cell phone, mask, and then sanitizer, like no bullshit. Like I'm not a freaking, like I was not a neat freak and I'm not a neat freak. I got my Lord on the fucking cabinet behind me. I'm not a neat freak. And I am now aware whenever I go someplace, hold on, I forgot my mask and I rush inside. It's not like I'm keeping a freaking stack of those black ones. Dude, those black ones, a 50 pack is like 15 bucks. Right. And I, I like the black the most because it's very slimming. Mm -hmm. yeah, like I look good in a black mask. Oh my God. Speaking of which, check this out. If you see me in public, hey guys. Like, I feel like a fucking G.I. Joe right now. Like, I am that Cobra dude. I should just talk like this. But, like, that's, there are things to look forward to. The only thing I don't like is the mask knee. I can we, can we agree to just be done with shaking hands when we emerge from this? But can we bump knucks? Yeah, we could bump knucks, but I, I never was a big fan of handshaking because nah, inevitably someone's hands are sweaty or gross. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a high school cross country coach that he would shake your hand like this, but he would lift up your other elbow like this. You're like what the fuck coach Kerber. And then I had a science teacher who would do the dead hand where you go like this, like full grip and you go, uh, you're like, ah, like <laughs> fuck all of that shit. So I'm cool with this. Like I got friends, some friends we do nuts. Yeah. And then like the quarantine uh, hug is where you loop elbows and you turn around and then you rub the back of your head on them so that you at least touch somebody's skin. Like I miss that shit. I don't think I've ever done that. Nobody's ever done that. I was being an asshole. Okay. And that's a good, good, good place to leave this conversation. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he is Joel Frieders, uh, hope for the day.org or is it HFT? HFTD.org. And then for the, more information about the IPA, uh, which you can make at home. If you're a home brewer, uh, challenge accepted, go, go make some of this, make things we don't say at home. Just get five gallons of that stuff going. 6%. Share with the friends and family. Whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a beer. Like we got a cider. We got like a non-alcoholic beer. I'm looking for like somebody who makes pop, not soda, just pop. Like, you know. I love it. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to kill the broadcast. Thank you for watching. Uh, Joel Frieders, you are, you are a mensch. <laughs> I try. <laughs>